This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi everyone and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. In today's episode, we'll be discussing from postnatal depression to mindful and thriving with Chelsea Pottinger, founder of EQ Minds. Chelsea is an international well-being speaker, ambassador for mental health charities, including RUOK and the Gidget Foundation. And she's the author of The Mindful High Performer. Chelsea's passion is in helping busy minds reset, recharge, and navigate the challenges of everyday life. Chelsea's book, The Mindful High Performer, was released in June 2022, and we'll be discussing that today. Welcome to the podcast, Chelsea. Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me today. It's such a thrill to be here with you. Oh, it's my delight because we've been connected online for a few years now and here we are finally meeting. I know. I refer so many people to come and see you as a clinician and so as I was saying before off the show, thank you so much for helping out a lot of my friends and a lot of our clients and things like that. So a warm gratitude to all the work that you're doing. Look, it's an honour and a pleasure. Thank you so much for all your wonderful referrals. And congratulations on this first book of yours. It's wonderful. I've just been reading it, thoroughly enjoying it. Thank you. I'm very thrilled to be able to have that out in the globe. You know, I feel like with the work that we do with corporates, a lot of people don't get access to that unless they work in the corporate world. And so to be able to share those tools across our nation and further across the globe, I feel very honoured to have that privilege to be able to do that. The Globe is so lucky to have your book and EQ Minds, your company. Firstly, would you explain what this means for people who don't know, please? Absolutely. So EQ Minds, I set up the company in 2016 after going through my own mental illness adversity. And after recovering from that, my whole mission for the rest of my life was I never wanted anyone to end up where I did in a hospital unit with a really severe mental illness. And so then gets birthed this company, EQ Minds, and because I felt like at the time, and this was back in 2016, Amanda, so a fair while ago now, we had so much emphasis on IQ, we have so much emphasis on physical health, we really were missing that EQ component, that emotional intelligence of people. And so that's how the name came about of EQ Minds. And then the mission has never changed. It's been to empower and educate people to take care of their mental health. And that will be our global mission until the day that I skid out of here in my coffin in hopefully 95 years old. Wow. (laughs) Fantastic. So I love this title and it shows the necessity to be mindful in order to be a high performer, to be healthy and to be happy. And do you think that all people need to be as mindful in the same ways or to the same degrees as each other? I don't think so. You're a clinician. You you would see such a broad range of unique and amazing human beings. But I really feel like, you know, that's why I always think about these kinds of sessions or the book as like this buffet of tools because people are going to choose things that they're going to really enjoy to do and find complementary to what they currently like in their life and where they might not enjoy some of the other things and so I feel like we're so unique as human beings and that's why we say to people you know 
if you don't want to meditate, that's okay. There are other options out there to help you on this mindful journey. So I think there's so many things that we can do. It's not a one size fits all. We're not all designed the same way. That's why I really feel, you know, to offer people a broad range of things that we see, you know, and you see in the science and the research that will benefit their mental health and that are really easy and actionable things to do, aren't they? It's not like we're saying cut the coffee, cut the alcohol, let's all run 10Ks a day. I mean, can you imagine? Like I would boot myself out of that book and I'd be like, that's that's not how I want to live. You know, that sounds horrendous, to be honest. I love coffee. Look, you're right, they're adjustments and the book is a wonderful balance of the science, the practical, the tips. It's very motivating, it's very inspiring, it's very upbeat, but it's chock full of great ideas, great advice and great tips. And really, you know, I'm looking through the book and then looked in the index as well and it's like you've covered everything. (laughs) All the physical health, the mental health, the emotional health, practical side of things and workplace, being effective, communicating, connecting, relationships, dealing with setbacks, energy detractors, positivity and, you know, it's fantastic. It's so comprehensive. Thanks, Amanda. And for the listeners who are listening to this at the moment, I hope that doesn't sound overwhelming in terms of when you get the book because the design of the book is to be like your friend that sits on the shelf, you know, that you can refer back to time and time again. It's not kind of designed to read from start to finish. You can if you want, but it's to go, you know what, this month I might work on my gut health. What does Mm -hmm. the book say about that? Or maybe this month it's, oh, it's January or it's July or, you know, I need a full reset. I want to restart my goals again. I'm just going to learn it, lean on that chapter. And so it's just finding one or two things in there, some pearls of hopefully some pearls of knowledge or some little science-based tips that you're like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could do that. That would be really beneficial. So I'd love it to be the buddy on everyone's shelf. I want it to be a really well-read book because my intent for the book, it wasn't to be the bestseller. It was actually to go, you know what, if this book helps one person, that I have never met before or has been where I've been, they've been in a hospital unit and someone's gifted them my book and it's given them hope because obviously at the start of that book's got my very personal story yeah. of where I've been in the in the trenches and the darkness of mental illness and I've recovered. And I hope, you know, if that gets to one person in a hospital unit and they're and it helps them recover, I mean, the book is done, right? That's a success yes. for me, I think. And I think about that all the time with what we do. If we just help one person, Mm. what an amazing gift that is. And you were so honest and brave in telling your stories in such a detail as well to help other people that any one of us could hit a wall the way you did. Yeah, and I hope people don't have to go through that, to be honest, Amanda. You know, I think that's a big important part of just being honest about my story. You know, I was having a really honest chat with my husband, Jay, last night because at some stage, Clara is going to be old enough, right, to read that first chapter. Mm. And Clara, for those of you that I haven't met before, she's our seven-year-old daughter and she is the most beautiful, nature-loving, animal-loving human being. And she gets an insight into mental illness because of me and she calls it yeah. brain flu and, mummy, you get an injury in your brain every now and again. And But to the depths of that darkness and... I said to my husband, it is important that we normalise these conversations and that Clara hears it first from me before she hears it from someone in the schoolyard who doesn't understand the story. Mm -hmm. And also to, 
give her the frameworks and, you know, the understanding of what it actually is. And again, you know, that, that one thing of that vulnerability or that, that share at the start, it has to be bigger than me, you know, like I have to get outside my own ego and go, it doesn't matter. Like the fact that I went through that it served a greater purpose because if I don't learn and grow from going through a mental illness and I don't go help other people, then what was the point of suffering severe postnatal depression? You know, I could have yeah. stayed stuck and victimized in that state going, well, my life sucks and woe is me. And, but I didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. You're using it to help the world and to elevate yourself out of the situation, the experience and go beyond it, make the best and find the gold from it, which you're doing definitely and bringing that gold to the rest of us. And as we were discussing off air, what perfect timing for this book when I'm seeing so much more postnatal depression and post-traumatic stress from a birthing situations because of women having to go through a lot of this birthing during COVID lockdowns without their partners or certainly with their partners whisked away once the birth has happened. And I've seen a, a huge spike in that as well as, as we were saying, people are reassessing what brings me happiness, joy, health, and it's not just peak performance in work, it's peak performance in life and and my joyfulness, my relationships, connectivity, all those things that, that are covered in your book. So it's it's such a perfect book for our time. Thank you, Amanda. At some stage, prevention has to play a place, doesn't it? You know, I think yes. that we have to at some stage go, when is prevention going to kick in and not always get to the pointy end of the, the spectrum of being in a crisis till we really start owning our mental health and our well-being? And I was thinking about this when I was away last weekend. I went off the grid to a place called Eden. You can't get mm. Wi-Fi. And it was the most incredible experience for four days. I was not connected to the world. Oh. And something pretty special happens then. You know, when yeah. you switch off from the world, you actually switch on, on the inside. And I had more creativity and it was just a beautiful experience. And I was talking to a couple of good friends that I was away with, and we're talking about mental well-being being your superannuation and how we invest our whole life into property or shares or commercially to take us to the end. When why aren't we investing into our mental well-being and our physical well-being when that is what's going to get us there to the very last day, our last breath? And I feel like that's a pretty strong connection that people can make around, you're right, we do invest in our super all the time, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we do forget to invest into ourselves and then we burn out and then we might have all the money and all the external assets, which we know doesn't really make us happy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, as long as Maslow hierarchy is kind of met, the, the house and the car, that's just the window dressing stuff. Yeah, it's actually, it's the simpler things in life that make us really happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love Australians to start viewing that differently, like viewing that. That's what I keep asking Aussies to do. View your mental well-being as your superannuation moving forward. Definitely. So the stigma of mental health is something you care very much about as well. And I think that's linked, isn't it, with this idea of investing in your health and your mental health in particular for as superannuation for your, the rest of your life, prevention and, yes, avoiding having mental health issues, but knowing that they're real and that unless we look after our minds, just as we look after our bodies, it's always surprised me that people think, oh, yeah, I clean my body at least once a day, clean my teeth. What about your mind? And then you found meditation as a way of doing that in your healing and recovery. 
I did. And I found that such a beautiful, I didn't know much about meditation before I got into it. You know, I was probably in the skeptical camp of going that was quite spiritual. And and then when I ended up in hospital at St. John of God in Sydney, which is a wonderful hospital, it really saved my life, to be honest. My amazing psychiatrist said to me, you know, Chelsea, I think it's time that we you learn how to meditate. And I said to her, I don't, I don't know about that. Like I do marathon training. <laughs> and she's like, she started to laugh. She's like, no, no, that's not it. And I said to her, you know, can you share with me some science about it and to help me, you know, get more curious? And and she did that. Like she shared with me a lot of the robust evidence around meditation, and in particular for me was my amygdala. You know, people who are vulnerable to anxiety, like myself, have a larger a more reactive amygdala to other people genetically, and that's okay. Like that's a nice part of knowing, you know, what makes up your unique cloak. And she said, you know, if you start this consistent practice, it's going to really help lessen the reactivity of that amygdala, so that stress and anxiety. However, it's also going to help with, you know, this thing called a default mode network so you don't get so caught up in these pedal loops or these ruminative feedback loops. And I thought, oh, I could definitely deal with that. Like that could be really good for me. And so I learned when I was in hospital and as you can imagine, when you are very sick or maybe you can't, you know, maybe you haven't been to those depths of darkness and anyone that's listening, you know, if you are, have ever experienced really clinically being very unwell, you have a lot of thoughts in there, a lot of of dark thoughts. Mm. And so at the start when I started, it was just one minute. That was it. That's all I could train the brain for was one minute short, sharp meditations And eventually, you know, within that five-week stay as well as coupling that along with medication and other things I was doing with a psychologist there, I just transitioned. I Mm. felt like a calmer version of myself and that's a real non-negotiable practice in my life. You know, at university, one of the beautiful things is you get access to a lot of PubMed research. I'm always looking at, oh, what else is going on with meditation in the brain and the body? And we just can't deny it anymore, can we, Amanda? I mean... There's so many great things that meditation does do and it really helps me with my mind. So I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of meditation. And you're also a huge role model of the fact that you can be absolutely still meditating and still your mind and then a peak performer and go, go, go. (laughs) And, And you're one person who can do both of those seeming contradictory things. How do you reconcile that? Isn't that interesting? And that's why we titled the book The Mindful High Performer because it was quite almost like this oxymoron of going, hang on a second, how can you be a meditator but be a real high performer? And my mind is like, how can you not? Yes. What (laughs) meditation does, it sharpens the tool up here in your brain, get more juice, more glucose from your brain to be able to perform better because the brain is a muscle. And like all of our muscles, we actually need to give it breaks so it can Mm. charge itself. And so if you are flogging yourself and you're in beast mode 24-7 where you're just going hard and you're not taking these brain breaks and you're giving up on your sleep, you know, you're sleeping less to get more work done, I mean, that is just such an unsustainable pace. And if you don't recognise that soon, you will end up being forced to take time off for your illness, whether it expresses in your body as a mental illness, whether it expresses it as the flu, as, you know, a star in your eye, whatever, you, however your body expresses that that extent of stress. And so 
Yeah, I was just, you know, I was thinking even, you know, the barefoot investor, like that book kind of gave me the idea as well. You know, this whole thing around you can be in the country with bare feet and still be a very savvy investor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in your in your suit and your shoes. Yeah, I think that book helps get some insight. That's quite science-based in terms of how to actually make our brain sharper because it's probably the most important organ as we're ageing as well, you know. Our shell, as we get older, the shell, the vessel that carries us around, it ages. Yeah. What we can help stay super sharp is our mind. Absolutely. And meditating is a very quick way of doing that, actually, a very pure way of doing it. Mm. If we go back to your story of postnatal depression, what struck me as well was the fact that you had so much support, but you didn't reach out. What do you make of that now? <sighs> I just want to go back and talk to myself. Yeah. <laughs> go, hey. Yeah. It's going to be okay if you ask for help. And it was really interesting because I have got the most loving husband and supportive husband yeah. and the most incredible family. Like even my mother-in-law is just a beautiful, amazing, supportive woman. My mum flew down and stayed with me for six weeks. And, you know, I had so much support. And how interesting that I felt like I couldn't reach out. And I think that's a huge thing with perinatal and postnatal anxiety and depression, that if you don't know what it is, and I, I didn't know what it was, so I was very unfamiliar with kind of what was happening to myself at that point in time, you feel a lot of shame and guilt, you know, mm. having this this illness, like this, that you're not getting it as a new mum or you feel like you're a burden on people around you and, and it's like the, your mind plays these naughty games on you. Don't tell anyone. They'll take the baby from you. They'll think you're crazy. You don't want to end up in the crazy loopy bin, like, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of chats. And by not speaking up and not being getting help quickly, I end up spiralling into a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think about those times and that's why I thought, wow. Yeah, I didn't even know who the Gidget Foundation was back then. Mm-hmm. I, I became an ambassador for them two years postnatal depression because I wanted mums and dads across the world to know who they are, right? Yeah. Foundation, so they so people can get prepared and get resourced, and mm. so they can spot these signs earlier in the piece. And so, I guess on that note, Amanda, you know, I, I think if there's any new parents that are listening, I would say get yourself well resourced, know what the signs and symptoms are, and also. If you do, do you feel like you're slipping, you know, reach out. Go and speak to your family member. If you feel like they're not going to support you, go and straight away speak to your doctor and go get yourself into a psychologist straight away so you don't have to suffer like what I did. It's yeah. an enjoyable time of your life. And mm. I missed that. I missed I missed the first 14 weeks of Clara. Mm. Thank you, yeah. it's It is sad and, again, so helpful for others to hear this, that it is real. Mental health issues are real. Postnatal, perinatal depression is real and anxiety. And it is not something that discriminates. You can be the strongest person in the world and still fall with this mental health issue. Yeah. Lastly, I'm asking all my guests a question as to what makes you psyched for life? What makes me psyched for life? My daughter, Clara, the love of my life, you know, she just makes me so pumped <laughs> to experience this world with her every day. You know, Amanda, I wake up every morning 
and I realize it's a blessing. And also I feel so grateful, you know, that what we get to do every day, that also makes me really pumped up, the impact that we're having on other people. It makes me excited about, you know, where this company is going. It makes me excited for our future generation, even just having these conversations with you to normalise the conversation around mental illness, around medication, around, you know, that you're never alone. These kinds of chats, I feel like our future generation are even already better at talking about this kind of stuff. And, yeah, it's honestly this journey is just beginning for us. Like we are we're so through it doesn't feel like work to me. Every day I just feel like, wow, I pinch myself that I get to do this for work and that we get to have this impact on on other people and that I just have such a beautiful close relationship with our daughter Clara. She's I'm a little soulmate. Oh <laughs> gorgeous. And you're studying to be a psychologist, I think, as well, or to be a researcher. Yeah. So oh my gosh, Amanda, this journey. It's it's so long. Yes. <laughs> So I have been on this journey for years. So I take the community that follows on EQ Minds and, and at Chelsea Pottinger Official, they will know this, that I take, I do a six-week semester and then I take eight weeks off. So I've got very strong boundaries with my university degree and that is because I know my personality and I can sometimes take off more than I can choose. So I mm-hmm. need to put these good boundaries around. But I also think it's an important part of our company is that, you know, for the governance and to get, you know, to have the right governance behind our company, it's important that I keep studying. So I'm going to keep going and keep going on the journey. I already know what we'll be doing for our master's thesis, which will be wonderful to be able to have science-based tools around these apps that we're looking to develop. So I may be 50, all right, (laughs) (laughs) which is nine years away, but it doesn't matter. I just that you're on the journey no yeah. one putting the pressure on you except for yourself so take the pressure off and just stay on the journey and enjoy That's- it and enjoy it because when I do take the eight weeks off I am ready to come back and study and then I mm. get to learn it I actually absorb it and I, that is really interesting stuff yeah I take a break and then I go back in so yeah I feel like I'm always learning, you know, and when I finish this degree, I'll probably do something else and study something else. I yeah. love learning. I have a real curious mind and I love Jane Fonda. I don't know if you've <laughs> <laughs> but she's got this beautiful thing and she's like in her 80s and she's like, I'm in my last phase. I've got more things to do. And my husband's like, that's going to be you. You're going to be like yeah. on bed going, oh, hang on, I've got this other idea. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that too. <laughs> so you've mentioned people can contact you at EQ Minds, is it? Yeah, if people want, you know, mental health tips and tools every day, that's at EQ Minds on our Instagram. So we are, that's the sort of our mental health resources there. And then we've got a personal one at Chelsea Pottinger Official. I've just split myself off from the mothership because EQ Minds is growing as a company and it's no longer just me. So mm-hmm. we had to divide my brand out. Yep. That's exciting because... On a global perspective, you can't do it all yourself and mm. you're going to have a bigger impact. We need more more beautiful human beings at EQ Mind. So we've got six so far. We're hiring another four. They start this weekend. Oh, congratulations. Thanks, Amanda. And so we're just every six months we're going to take an induction of, of speakers in. So if you're interested, if you have a psychology passion and mental health passion, we would love you to get in touch with us as well. Brilliant. And The Mindful High Performer is available in all good bookstores and online. 
Mm-hmm. It is. Chelsea, thank you so much for being our guest today on our podcast. It's been delightful and very interesting. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me and all the work that you're doing out there. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 333 497 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Kids Helpline again 24-7 on 1800 1800 and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.